I'll have you turn in Isaiah chapter 12, please. Isaiah 12. I think I'll just read the chapter again. It's only six verses. It's always good to hear the word. Sometimes when I hear something read more than once, other things will pop out at me that I didn't see before. Um, so maybe that'll be your experience as I read the scripture again. Um, so I'll read uh, these six verses of Isaiah 12. And in that day thou shalt say, O Lord, I will praise thee. Though thou wast angry with me, thine anger is turned away, and thou comfortest me. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid, for the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He also is become my salvation. Therefore, with joy shall you draw water out of the wells of salvation. And in that day shall you say, Praise the Lord, call upon his name, declare his doings among the people, Make mention that his name is exalted. Sing unto the Lord, for he hath done excellent things. This is known in all the earth. Cry out and shout, thou inhabitant of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel in the midst of thee. Well, this morning we learned of three comforts of salvation from Isaiah chapter 12. We learned that salvation from divine wrath is such a blessing and a comfort for the people of God. In verse 1, it talks about, Thine anger is turned away, and thou comfortest me. And certainly, the doctrine of propitiation, which teaches that Christ received the wrath of God rather than sinners um, for, for sin that we committed, is certainly a comforting doctrine for the people of God. And um, a doctrine that should bless and thrill our souls. And I, I hope that today, as you heard the word of God, that that doctrine of propitiation certainly uh, caused you much joy in your heart. We also found another comfort of salvation, uh, that we are saved from the fear of uh, the spirit of fear. Um, he says in verse 2, I will trust and not be afraid, for the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He also has become my salvation. What a comfort to know that that fear that once paralyzed us and caused us to doubt the Lord has been replaced with a spirit of faith and trust in the Lord. And we certainly have much to be thankful for and how comforting that is for the people of God. And then we looked at the wells of salvation in verse 3, salvation by divine grace. That really points us to God's mercy and love and grace to his people by providing us uh, the Bible, which affords to us uh, the wells of salvation and how we are to draw from the pages of Scripture and learn and grow and, and be cleansed from the Word of God. And so again, another way in which the Lord comforts us in salvation. What are some other comforts that we find here in Isaiah chapter 12? Well, the next one I, I found was salvation glorifies God. Salvation glorifies God. We read this in verse 4. And in that day shall you say, praise the Lord, call upon his name, declare his doings among the people, make mention that his name is exalted. 
One of the great things about salvation is that it's God's salvation. Uh, he is to receive all glory. Uh, he is to receive all praise. And that's so liberating and free for the child of God and so comforting because if it's God's salvation, then God uh, also will keep us in his salvation. If the glory is man, then man, because of man, can lose his salvation and mess everything up because he's man. But when we understand the truth that salvation uh, glorifies God, uh, it causes us to worship the Lord and praise the Lord and thank the Lord for so great salvation. And that was a turning point in my own understanding of salvation when I realized that salvation is not man-centered, but God-centered. When you have that perspective, when you have the perspective that Christ is to be exalted, Christ is to be glorified in everything that we say and do, that's the the theme and the, and the life focus of, of the believer is to bring glory to God. And salvation does that very thing. And so when we come before God's people and worship Him, and we think upon our salvation, it should be to the glory of God. It should be to praise and thank Him for what He's done for His people. And we see this praise expressed in so many different ways in the Scripture. Listen to the psalmist in Psalm 115, verse 1. Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but unto thy name. Give glory for thy mercy and for thy truth's sake. And when we worship the Lord, there is that sense of jealousy for the glory of God. It's good for us to be here and to, and to worship together and to see individuals. But we are here first and foremost and primarily to give glory to God for so great salvation. Another key verse that points us to uh, the glory of God being the center of the Christian's life is Jeremiah chapter 9, verses 23 and 24. A great text that talks about the glory in the Lord. We read, Thus saith the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, neither let the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches, but let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me, that I am the Lord, which exercise loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the Lord. For in these things I delight, saith the Lord. What a verse <laughs> to cause us to glory in the Lord. And you notice the temptation in man is not the glory in the Lord. The temptation in man is the glory in riches, or in fame, or in might, or in wisdom, and that is going on today by many. But the child of God, though these things are important in some degree, the most important thing for the child of God is the glory in the Lord. Uh, the school that Zachary, Lord willing, will be attending, Patrick Henry uh, College in Virginia, if you go to their main building, I think they only have like three buildings on the campus, <laughs> but they're big, they're big buildings. Uh, but the main building that you go into, the Welcome Center, uh, on the top, there's like a rotunda, and around the rotunda, there's a verse, and it's Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 23 and 24. And then coupled to that verse is 1 Corinthians chapter 1, where it says, Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 31, that according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. 
And what he's referring to when he says it is written, he's talking about Jeremiah chapter 9, verses 23 and 24, to glory in the Lord. And boy, isn't that the chief end of man, to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And when we do that, there is this peace and, and, and contentment in the heart of the child of God when we give glory to God. Even today, when we come to the, to the Lord as the people of God, and we glorify the Lord, there's a certain joy that comes upon us. There's a certain peace and contentment in the fact that the Lord received glory today. It wasn't man-centered worship. It wasn't man-centered message. It wasn't man-centered in any way except in that we are here and that the focus and the attention on our worship service is all the Lord. And when we, by God's grace, do that, there is this joy, this comfort that comes upon the people of God. You've been in places and churches where that's been more man-centered in focus. And it seems like you get more of man than God when you come into a worship place, a place of worship. And you know that when in your heart there's something not right, there's something that is being not focused on that's not correct. Because the focus isn't on the Lord, it's on the things that men do or the things that men say or the things that men think. But when we come and truly come before the Lord and worship Him like we are doing today, and we focus on Him and bring glory to Him, there is this joy uh, to exalt the name of the Lord. Psalm 21 verse 5 says, His glory is great in thy salvation. His glory is great in thy salvation. And isn't that really the testimony of every child of God? That when we speak about salvation, we don't glory in our works. We don't glory in what we do or what, what we are, but we glory in the Lord and who He is and what He's done. All glory to the Lord. And so these are just some sample verses. And there are so many others that focus on the comfort of glorying in the Lord and our salvation. I think so many times um, you find professed Christians who find themselves discouraged and, and miserable and, and even uh, losing in so many areas in their life because the focus isn't on the Lord. It's on themselves and on what they're doing and on their effort and on their success and on their failures. But when your focus is on the glory of God, and you find yourself exalting in Him, all those things seem to diminish and just fade away in light of God's glory. And this is what Isaiah is talking about here in verse 4. And in that day shall ye say, Praise the Lord, call upon His name, declare His doings among the people, make mention that His name is exalted. And what a comfort it is to be in a place where Christ is glorified. What does Paul say uh, in Galatians chapter 5? God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord and Jesus Christ, in whom the world's crucified unto me and the world unto myself. So that verse, again, reminds us of the glory is in the Lord and in His salvation and in His cross. What's another comfort of salvation that we find here in Isaiah 12? Salvation exceeds man's expectations. Salvation exceeds man's expectations. Verse 5, 
Sing unto the Lord, for he hath done excellent things. This is known in all the earth. This idea of excellent things are things that are truly amazing and wonderful when you consider what God has done for us. And when I say that it exceeds man's expectations, when you ever think about God's salvation, no man would ever devise of such a salvation um, that the way God did. God's salvation it see, exceeds man's expectations on almost every level in terms of its scope, its power, its object, and its love. Uh, there's certainly something about this word excellent that just grabs Isaiah and says that when we think upon the salvation of the Lord, certainly it's an excellent thing, but he has more than just calling it excellent. He has the idea of it exceeds anything that we could imagine as people in this world. Jeremiah chapter 33 verse 3 says, Call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Again, there is this idea of salvation exceeds our expectations. When we call upon the name of the Lord, we ought to expect big things from the Lord. We ought to expect the Lord to come and exceed those things which we think he can do. And I think Paul really gets at the heart of this idea of salvation exceeds man's expectations when he says in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. So here again, you see that idea of salvation glorifies God. We also see that salvation exceeds our expectations. God surprises us, doesn't he, with his blessing and with his goodness in, in the ways in which he comes and works in our lives. And that certainly is something that we as God's people ought to not sell God short. When we come before the Lord, expect great things. Expect the Lord to not just answer our prayers, but to go above and beyond what we ask or think. And that requires faith. That requires trust. And that requires a desire to ask the Lord to guide and to do those things which we ourselves cannot do, but only the Lord can do. I think of a passage in Luke chapter 1. I think it's verse 36 where Luke talks about this idea of how the Lord uh, certainly exceeds the expectations of man in Luke 1 36 <clears throat> verse 37 I'm sorry it says for with God nothing shall be impossible um, the idea that God uh, can do all things if he so chooses when it comes to these things that we love and, and adhere to so so much in salvation. We are to not uh, expect anything less than the Lord to, to be true to his word and to answer the prayers of God's people. And that means also when it comes to some of these hard cases that we find with people. Sometimes when we uh, see someone who has gone away from the Lord for a long period of time and 
And maybe we have the temptation to give up on them. And maybe we have the temptation to just say, well, uh, that's it with them. They're not going to come back to the Lord. The Lord can do great and mighty things. The Lord can bring back those who have gone astray and who have wandered into uh, a wilderness, if you will. And, and this idea of God doing excellent things reminds us that even the hard cases, even those that seem like things have gone away or have not worked out the way we'd like to, the Lord is able to work in the heart. We know of people that disappoint us. We know of people who say that they're going to do something and they don't do it or be somewhere and they're not there or um, promise something and it doesn't happen. And yet we tend to take it personally or tend to uh, look at it as something that can be very disappointing. But the Lord can change the heart of people. I think of one person in mind where uh, we help this person out and uh, we, we uh, help them in a practical matter. And uh, you're just hoping that through that practical help that uh, it will show them the love and grace of Christ and that they might not just use that practical matter to not seek the Lord. Uh, I can't get into details, but there's one person in mind that I, I'm praying that the Lord will uh, work and bring through in, in a special way. Um, for his glory and for his his praise but as human beings we start to doubt wonder if we we made a mistake or we made we we did something that maybe wasn't right but at the end of the day the lord is the one who exceeds all expectations and we ought to look to the lord for his grace and mercy even in the hard cases even in the cases where we find great disappointment and and let down we need to pray that the lord will give us that spirit of seeking the lord and expecting great things from the lord you know what i'm talking about when it comes to experiencing disappointment with people when people say certain things and they don't follow through with them or they say that they will be at a certain place and they're not there we could take it very hard but the fact is the lord is able to do great and mighty things which thou knowest not so we see here that knowing this comforts us when we at times even struggle in our own thoughts and minds when it comes to dealing with people and dealing with problems in life. But notice thirdly, salvation brings us into the presence of God. And this is perhaps uh, one of the greatest comforts of all. In verse 6 we read in Isaiah 12 here, let me turn back. Cry out and shout, thou inhabitant of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel in the midst of thee. Isn't it amazing? Isn't it truly a wonderful thought to think that salvation brings us into the presence of Almighty God? That Christ, through his work on the cross, reconciles us to God. And not only saves us, but now... We have a real and living relationship with God. We have a personal relationship with the Lord himself. And we come into the very presence of the Holy One of Israel. And when you read that and you think upon that reality, it's all because of salvation. 
It's all because of what Christ has done for me that I now know God. I know him in not just an intellectual way or a mental way, but I know him in an experimental way. I know him because he's near with he's near me and he's his presence is I'm in his presence and I have a relationship with him. And he is my God and I am his child. And this is certainly something that comforts uh, the child of God when it comes to salvation. Before we were aliens and strangers to God. But now through Jesus Christ and in salvation we become the children of God and we become those who are in the very presence of the Lord. We could say that now in salvation the Lord is with us. Emmanuel. We have him abiding with us and making his presence known to us. There's a verse that I think Pastor Bannister preached on not too long ago from Revelation 21, verse 3. It talks about the Lord tabernacling with his people. Let me read that to you. Revelation 21, verse 3. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them. And be their God. Now, how is that possible? It's possible because of salvation. It's possible because of the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Without salvation, we would have no entrance into the presence of the Lord. But now, through Christ, we can enter into the Holy of Holies because Christ has made us holy, because Christ has prepared us to come into the presence of the Lord. You cannot exist in the presence of the Lord unless you come through Jesus Christ. Only through Christ and in Christ can you come into the presence of the Lord and have that fellowship with the Lord. It's remember that story of Esther, Queen Esther, and as she went before the king, uh, King Ahasuerus was there with his scepter and he, 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 held out his scepter to Esther when she came into his presence. And that meant that uh, she would not die, but that she would be allowed to come into his presence and live. And so when we come into the presence of God, God sees us not so much in our situation and in ourselves, but in and through Jesus Christ. And when he sees us coming in Christ, that scepter is raised And we come into the very presence of the Lord and we're accepted before the Lord. What a comfort that is to know that we are accepted in Jesus Christ and that we are accepted before the Lord. And we enjoy this great fellowship with the Lord now. Isaiah 7 verse 14 predicts the coming of Christ. Therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son. And shall call his name Emmanuel, which is interpreted God with us. So when Isaiah talks about coming into the holy presence of the Lord in verse 6 of chapter 12, he's talking about that comfort that we have as the children of God, that we have this privilege to have access into the very throne room of the Lord. And if we have access into the throne room of God's presence, we can call upon him. We can ask him. We can pray unto the Lord. And he, as our heavenly father, answers and hears our prayers because of the Lord Jesus Christ. 700 years after the death of Isaiah, 
We read in Matthew chapter 1, verses 20 and 23. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is being interpreted God with us. And so we see here uh, another comfort that comes from the salvation that we enjoy in and through the Lord Jesus Christ. Salvation brings us into the very presence of the Lord. And when we sense the presence of the Lord, when we enjoy the presence of the Lord, there's nothing like it in this world. When we have that assurance and that blessing that God is with us and God is for us and God is here right now uh, worshiping with us and helping us to bring honor and glory to him. As I said in the morning message, is there anything that comforts the people of God more than God's salvation? And I just don't think from this passage here in Isaiah 12 and many other passages that I can't think of anything else that could comfort the people of God more than meditating upon these comforts of salvation that we have had uh, looked at today. I've mentioned only six comforts of salvation, salvation from divine wrath, salvation from the spirit of fear, salvation by divine grace, salvation glorifies God, salvation exceeds man's expectations, and salvation brings us into the presence of God. But there are many more comforts of salvation for you and I to discover in God's word. I've just kind of scraped the surface, if you will. But hopefully as you do your own Bible study and as you meditate upon God's word, you will discover afresh in your own heart even more comforts that come from the salvation that we enjoy in and through our Lord Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Our Father, we do thank you for uh, these words of comfort to the people of God. We thank you, dear Lord, that in salvation uh, there are so many blessings to think of, so many things to count and to number And we've just mentioned six of them, Lord, but there's so many more that we could mention. So, Lord, we ask Thee that as we spend the rest of the day today thinking about the message, that You will help us, dear Lord, to be a thankful and grateful people. Help us, dear Lord, to rejoice in the salvation that we have so full and so free in the Lord Jesus Christ. Help us, Lord, to not be burdened for tomorrow or be burdened for what would come even tonight but lord help us to enjoy the fact that christ has shown to us afresh from the word how blessed we are in salvation and how these things ought to comfort and encourage the people of god so if there's someone here that's discouraged or someone who who needs to uh, once again be renewed in spirit i pray you will pour out the spirit upon them give them that that spirit of supplication that spirit where they cry out, Abba, Father, and they might uh, ask the Lord to help uh, them understand these great things that we've considered today. We pray these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen.